0: You are listening to WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. It's
1: Thursday around
0: almost time for another round aboard a more court business. My mind is all mixed up, and I've got to cycle fast if I want to keep my video gig at the games. The end is built into the beginning. This is Samantha Fox, playing the song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now, from 1987. Saturday, July 30th, uh, 2022, I met somebody that Donnie Benet might call the girl of one's dreams. And that was probably one of the most difficult things that one can ever encounter. Miles Davis once said, God punishes you by giving you everything, and then that's it. And then I was there on Saturday, and this was that. For me, Samantha Fox's Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now hits particularly well in that context. I'm nostalgic for that 80s hedonism, but it's not for that. Rather, because unrequited love is nostalgia for something that never happened, and it's just as vibrant in my mind and my heart as anything that did happen. Late one morning, I uh, texted my best musical friend, Brant, who always listens to this show and is listening right now. And um, I don't know exactly if I had drunk too much coffee or, or what, what was going on, but I said, you know, there's something about the 1980s that resonates with both of us, Branton and I, so profoundly that it's both beautiful and tragic in equal measures. And it makes life that much more interesting. Life isn't just what happens to us. It's our dreams and our imaginations, too. It's all of that combined. And on that Saturday night and into the early morning Sunday, I felt something I had not felt in a long time. A part of me thought that part of me had died and... Been left on some uh cart track far away in texas but as it turns out it was still there uh the woman i was with i'll call her um leslie to protect her identity Uh, she cast a spell on me uh, uh and on the music some music that i had never listened to but immediately felt relevant and i needed to listen to it and in some instances it seems like we were in a sort of a jenga situation each of us loving the same artist but knowing different parts of the catalogue, not the entire catalogue altogether. The next song was one of those songs I didn't know that she did know, and uh, that one uh, is called Heaven by the Talking Heads. Talking heads. Um yeah, it is an interesting interpretation of heaven. Um I don't know if that sounds like a good time every single it's the same thing every day. Um yeah. I wonder what that really would be like. <laughs> um nothing at all though. Perhaps the same thing every day and nothing at all would be slightly different. Because nothing at all would be um well there wouldn't be days or anything like that, would there? It would just be one continuous uh, line. I, I, I like life as it is right now. Um, I'm definitely in no rush <laughs> at any point to get to uh, heaven. Maybe it's cool, but I really like things as they are right now. I like the um, the mixture of pleasure and pain. Um, sometimes it's off, but I think uh, it's worth. It's always worth. Um, Shot. I mean, the whole point of music is uh, is, is that there is contrast. Just like when there, you know, when you have a great uh, picture or something like that, um, the contrast makes it sometimes not too much contrast, but enough to really see something there, make some meaning out of something. I guess there's a desire for that. Anyway. Um, yeah, I remember this particular, this night a few nights ago. I think it's it's an issue of perception, isn't it? What I felt that night and what I perceived to be real in my heart was as real as anything could ever wish to be. Uh, The sky was cloudy and polluted. Um, But I know I saw at least three shooting stars, and in my heart I knew I could see the Milky Way beyond that haze. Such was the lucidity of uh, my feeling, uh, like being primed on a psychedelic drug or something like that. I think this is an appropriate song for that particular moment. This is Under the Milky Way by The Church.
2: down in Memphis Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you were might have known
0: of love is that it comes to you you don't go to it it's sudden it comes out of nowhere and it just hits you it becomes a part of you sometimes it doesn't line up neatly with the universe sometimes your lover becomes a worm sometimes you fall in love with a rock as what happened to the main character of don herzfeld's world of tomorrow during that short film i know i'll always fall for it Leslie told me that the song I just played, You, Genius of Love, was performed by a band that had treated David Byrne very cruelly in his early years with the Talking Heads, which I wasn't aware of. Um, this revelation made me a bit disillusioned about Tom Tom Club, who I uh, generally adore, particularly with that song. But I guess some good art is just made that way sometimes. It's pretty unfortunate. Genius of Love isn't just another love song, though, it's got messiness and drugs and undetermined futures, loose ends, much like my own life, much like yours, much like a lot of people's, even if they don't think so. One night years ago, as I longed for someone else who was unreachable, I was driving north from Austin towards Waco for no apparent reason that I can remember other than the desire to wander and be found. As I left the perimeter of the radio signal, I heard what I perceived to be two songs coming in at the same time in the same bandwidth, I believe it was 98.9, interfering each other and creating a beautiful cacophony of sound. Later that night, I checked the KUTX Spinatron, and lo and behold, it was not two songs, but one which, combined with the context and a good measure of static, tricked me into thinking it was some cosmic interference as I sp- passed from austin into waco what when in reality it was uh even better than that uh as i played it back and i recognized it entirely and that was a pretty magical moment um and that song was dark spring by beach house which is the one i'm going to play you now Sunday night rolled into Monday morning, and things were different. I realized that I had perceived a mirage perhaps, and that while the destination was still beautiful, and while Leslie glowed brighter than ever, this was not the place as David Byrne had promised. I had played back that shooting star and that sequence of shooting stars in my head so much that I believed I would see it again, but I didn't. It didn't simply appear. It didn't appear at my command or anything like that. I had to accept the compartment of time in which that had occurred. Anyway, the next song I'm going to play you, um, this is an interesting find. I don't know how in the world I found this, but, um, but it appeared ominously on my Spotify, as things sometimes do. Um, this one is Why Do I Cry?, by Margot Gurion. I want you to guess when this song was made, because uh, I think it could fool some people, perhaps.
1: Why do I cry on a Sunday morning after Saturday night with such a wonderful I cry
0: The director, Don Hertzfeld, uh, always talks about his creative process um, in making animated films as one where he doesn't go out and seek ideas. He lets the ideas drift to him. The way he describes it is uh, like driftwood on a river, and he's uh, perhaps a beaver or something. And he's just collecting driftwood, and uh, he lets it happen. Much like love sometimes happens when you don't expect it um i think uh, the, the the margot gurian song is an interesting example of that um sort of driftwood process it just it just it just uh, arrived at my doorstep and there it was at the perfect time perhaps maybe a little melodramatic for um for what i was experiencing but certainly very interesting and it resonated very much with me in that situation um Maureen by Sade, or Sade, the song I Just Played You is one of those songs that reminds, me, r- reminds you of your cosmic loneliness, I guess I could say, our loneliness as a pale blue dot, but also as spirits. Sometimes it feels not that way. Uh, but Maureen is sort of the lonely track of Sade's Promise album, and probably my favorite Absolutely, my favorite. Um, sometimes I see myself in Maureen more than in any other of the the songs, but or I see myself perhaps in in both of them, in, in both Maureen and and the or whoever the narrator is. of I'm always concerned about what actually happened to Maureen. Uh, I'm uh, I've looked this up actually, uh, you know, if this was based on anything, uh, um, and it, it does concern me that Maureen was talked about by shada in that song and in the song it seems like maureen is one of these very solitary creatures that is wondrous and mystical and happens and um and then isn't there anymore what happened to them where did they go and why isn't anybody anywhere talking about maureen why isn't anybody talking about this particular song i don't know uh, is shouted the only person who remembers. Not all shooting stars, I guess, uh, have an audience of thousands. But anyway, the, the following song needs no introduction. In the dying days of my uh, marriage, way back when that was uh, happening, um, this particular song played in the background um, as things got very tense and uh, and I was sort of pursuing what I would say are pointless studies in fields that made me quite angry, a.k.a. computer science. Um, and this was the soundtrack to that chapter of my life. Uh, I, I would recommend with this one, sometimes the DJ has to talk a little bit less, but simply listen and think of the title, Why Do You Still Love Me? I don't, you know, th- that title never actually really made much sense to me. I think with the tone of the song, it doesn't match up. For me, it's it's more of a will you still love me or something like that or, or why don't you love me or something. I don't know. I think the why do you still love me is a little more romantic than the tone that I have ever collected from that song. But anyway, it's a, uh, I'd uh, be interested to know what other people have to say about this one. This is why do you still love me by Did I I say the Cocteau Twins? It's not the Cocteau Twins. It's Harold Budd. Well, related. Harold Budd and Elizabeth Fraser, I believe. And actually, there are a couple other people on there. Robin Guthrie and Simon Raymond. There you go. It's from the album The Moon and the Melodies. The extended version of "Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now" by Samantha Fox from 1987. I think it just has these chords that are. Um, it it fits with the theme of the show. I would say, is it's loose ends, it's um, it's unresolved, and in the irresolution of each chord progression in that song. It forces the song to keep going and going and going. Um, The music video reflects that. If anybody watches the music video of Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now by Samantha Fox, it's Samantha Fox running away from something as fast as she can. And she takes uh, various different forms of transportation. At first, it's um, an Alfa Romeo. No, pardon me. At first, it's a really high-speed boat. Then it's an Alfa Romeo... Then it's an airplane that she's flying. And then it's a bicycle. And um, and at the end, it goes back to the boat. And um, I think that, that music video is one of the most incredible music videos ever made. It, um, It encapsulates that moment of irresolution, I think, very well. That this is a moment that should be cherished sometimes in some way. It's a very particular emotion. But... Um, but I don't think that the lyrics, it's one of those where I think that the lyrics don't reflect the music entirely. There's something else going on there. The lyrics are the external dialogue and the music is the internal do- dialogue going on within Samantha Fox as she is running away from something. And, um, and I think you see it at the end, the very last few frames of it. She's looking very, very wistfully into the camera, perhaps wondering, you know, what is she running away from? Um, you know, questioning <laughs> questioning the methods of transportation. I don't know. It's very, very ambiguous at the end. I thought that was, it's a very interesting music video. Um, and so that that's an interesting sort of tone setter song for the next, uh, for this hour and the hour af- afterwards. You know, divorce and the end of a relationship or the end of things like that. You know, divorce, for example, it it ends more than marriage. And divorce, I guess, is a very abstract thing, but it needlessly sets the tone for an internal dialogue of self-worth that isn't healthy for anyone. And for me, it took a long time to return to a semblance of positivity with that. It's like a comet breaking off of a planet. Um, initially interpreting the breakage as the beginning of its insignificance, when in reality, it has become the fastest and brightest and most lifelike form a rock can ever take hold of. And uh, the song... And I want to play, I don't know if it's particularly relevant, but I want to play as a tribute, perhaps. This is a song for those rocks as they begin to off-gas their bright mystical elements. The rocks experiencing regret when they should be experiencing wonderment. I think some of these rocks may be following, following, uh, falling out of the sky uh, tonight, maybe maybe last night, I don't know. The Perseids was going on at some point this week. Whenever the case is, this is a tribute to them. This song is Cry Me a River by Crystal Gale.
3: Only you cry the long night through. Well, you can cry me a river, cry me a river. I cried a river.
0: This is WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. Come Back from San Francisco by The Magnetic Fields. An excellent song about the uh, misperception of love where it's not unrequited love to be exact or perhaps lost love. Sometimes love isn't misplaced. It's just on something like Saturn, something that can't return the favor. But uh, this song really nails the power of the passion of love and its ability to warp space and time. And sometimes that's beautiful. As I resumed the video shoot last week, or whenever that was, because my sense of time seems to have been warped quite a bit as well, I reminded myself of that shooting star over and over again. Uh, Joe Zawino, when talking of the passing of Jaco Pastorius so that he was simply glad Jaco had ever managed to live or exist in the first place, that he had that experience, and that it was as real now as it ever was, that he never actually died, but simply left the room with some records playing. Then I remembered the songs Leslie put in my head, Across the Universe by The Beatles and A Cottage for Sale by Frank Sinatra. I thanked my lucky stars for that. I really do. To have loved is worth the world. And so Leslie is worth the world too. And so are all of you out there. The following song is Across the Universe by The Beatles.
4: Change my world. Nothing's gonna change my world. Nothing's gonna change my world. Nothing's gonna change my world. Images of broken light which dance before me like a million. They call me all along across the universe felt me under like a restless wind inside a letterbox They tumble blindly as they make their way
5: Castle with every dream gone is lonely and silent. The shades are all drawn, and my heart is heavy as I gaze upon. A cottage for sale The lawn we were proud of Is waving in hay A beautiful garden Has withered away Where you planted roses The weeds A cottage for sale From every single window I see your face But when I reach a window, there's empty space, the keys in the mailbox the same as
0: That was A Cottage for Sale by Frank Sinatra. Absolutely, um, absolutely incredible. And um, one of the best Frank Sinatra songs I've ever heard. Perhaps the very most cinematic one that I've ever heard. Uh, I think everything that is present in that song is what makes great film. Um, It 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 does tell you a story but it's 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 ambiguous it's more than just a linear thing it's it it tells you about what that house meant to somebody and um what the, the reality of what that was the reality of it still existing you know even if that cottage is uh not uh under the same ownership anymore or a part of the same life or anything like that it's um those memories are real and uh and that's what cinema does it 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 transports us into a position that we were not part of and uh will never experience but it sort of allows us to experience that anyway and um and it allows us to feel what that would have been like to some extent and i think that's what that song does It wasn't written by Frank Sinatra um, but it was probably very relevant around the time right after it was written. I believe it was right around. uh, I think it was right before the Great Depression or during the Great Depression. Either way, it was heavily recorded during the Great Depression. And I think it would have definitely resonated with lots and lots of people um, who would have had a very different view of what a house is and what it means. Um, and what it means to have that taken away from you. Um, but what it, you know, the, 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 uh, amount with which people would cherish those memories in that house in that moment. And, uh, and now that is just as valid as the postscript of, uh, the for sale sign in front of the cottage. So that's an interesting song to reflect on. Absolutely, thank you so much um, for introducing me to that song. It's absolutely incredible. And um, the next song I'm going to play, and it's the final song on the set list. And um, it is a song called Allegia. I attempted to play part of it um, a few episodes back. And uh, I didn't succeed because I had accidentally, I'd meant to download or I'd uh, misremembered thinking it was a seven minute song approximately. It's actually a 17 minute and 30 second song. Um, So for some of you, that might be a little bit daunting to listen to, but promise me, I think that is, this is one of the most cinematic songs ever made. Um, And it was put to film in 1998 with the short film *More* which, uh, it, the short film viewing that short film when I was in, uh, perhaps high school or early college, um, it used to be my favorite short film of all time. And I'm not sure if it would be the same nowadays, but, um, but it is one of those where I, I wouldn't demote, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't lower the status of that film just because I've now watched a few more short films and, have an appreciation for different types of short films. That short film more was the most powerful thing I'd ever watched, back when I watched it, and um, and it, and and that moment still exists. And 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 this song brings it back every time. It's absolutely breathtaking to hear this song every single time I hear it, and uh, to hear the full the progression of the song over the course of seventeen minutes and thirty seconds. It was originally written as sort of an elegy perhaps for um the passing of ian curtis who was part of joy division the band that preceded new order um, right before they released this uh, as part of their 1985 album low life and um so this will be a great song to play i also wanted to um remind everybody the song we played before a cottage for sale was across the universe And I'd just like to share one thing about that song. When I first heard that song, I was in my car at a gas station in Austin, which is sounds crazy that I didn't hear. You know, it seems like I would have heard most Beatles songs by the time I was an adult, but I didn't. And I'd uh, perhaps I'd heard that song somewhere, but I was listening to it in my car, and I parked the car because it was just breathtaking. And I thought, who is this? This sounds like uh, this must be the greatest song made in the 21st century (laughs) or the 90s or something. I thought it wasn't that old. It had such a modern, it's still such a modern song. And uh, the lyrics are absolutely breathtaking. There's one particular lyric, if I look it up. There's one particular lyric that always, always—it's—it's actually—it's the very first one, I guess. Yeah, words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. I—I I don't know. That's—that's that's as good as it gets. But um, anyway, with no further ado, this is *Elegia*, the full unedited, 17-minute 30-second version by New Order from the album *Low Life*. thing i've really learned from the films of peter bogdanovich is sometimes you don't need outro music for the credits to make it more powerful so that's it for the hour thank you for tuning in to only friends i'm your host dj future pleasure as always the pleasure is all mine and tune in next thursday at five for more of this show thank you for listening